Hello, Night Nation, and welcome back to the Nightcap Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Stewart, here with my co-host, Tony Cummings. How's it going, Tony? It's going great. So pumped that we got our first win of the season. Hopefully we got more to come, and we have a great season coming up ahead. But for the podcast, we're going to talk about South Carolina State recap versus UCF, and we're going to talk about that Louisville game coming up. But before we get into that, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at UCF Nightcap. Thank you, Tony. And absolutely, it was a great start to the season. Uh, you know, I think we're all excited football's back. But uh, obviously, it's great to start out the season with a 56-10 win against South Carolina State. Team looked great. Uh, I, 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 What were your initial impressions? Yeah, I mean, I'm happy that we got the win, first and foremost. Um, it, our team looked electric overall. I mean, we're not going to be perfect. It was the first game. We had to get a lot of kinks out and try to get the team in sync. And we're going to talk about a lot of different different things that we saw with roster management um but you know i understand what gus is doing with the team overall he let certain players play longer than maybe we might think they should have played but like i said they got to get the team in sync this is just more of a warm-up preseason game whereas the next game versus louisville is going to be the real true test of the team yeah, for sure. The next game coming up is definitely going to be our first test. Uh, you know, South Carolina State, I think we all recognize as an FCS opponent. Um, you know, we were really looking for the team to come out and clicking on all cylinders and, and looking like a team that could be dangerous. Obviously, by the score, 56 to 10, it looked like they were able to, to really look like they could be explosive, obviously, as you'd expect for any team that's you know, bringing in a bunch of transfers and, you know, playing your first game of the season, you expect there maybe to be a few things to work on. And there definitely was. Um, but just to get into the recap a little bit, uh, some important stats. Obviously, our, our starter this week was John Rice Plumlee. Uh, he had a great game. He finished with uh, 20 of 31 in, in passing attempts, 308 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, but he also added 16 carries for 100 yards rushing and another touchdown. Um, which actually led the team in rushing, which I think if you uh, listened to our preview last week, uh, I, I was pretty high on Plumlee and his, his rushing ability, and he showed it in this game in a lot of the ways that he was able to uh, really extend plays, uh, get first downs. Uh, I, thought he, I thought he played really, really well. Um, I, I, overall, what were your thoughts of Plumlee? Well, I have a feeling that uh, we might, we, you know, your prediction of him being our leading rusher might be the case if he's averaging these 100 yards a game. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. So, uh, no, he was very electric. You know, um, I, like we've talked about earlier, there were opportunities that our team in the past might have been stuck, and we probably would have had to kick the ball off, punt it off. But because of Plumlee, because of his running talent, you know, he was able to get those first downs for us and convert and get us another fresh fresh downs for the team definitely and you know one of the things i want to i want to talk about because i think there was and you know there was a lot of things that we're going to go into in terms of how the o-line played um you know how the wide receivers played and overall what we think of the offense um but there's been some some you know some a minority on on social media that seems to think that some of the things that he had done uh, you know, we should be a little overly critical about maybe he is, is missing some throws, you know, obviously accuracy being a, a potential issue going into the season, right? And, uh, you know, obviously I saw a couple things where he, he missed some throws that he could have made, uh, but I think they were fewer and farther between than I think some others in the fan base will are, are maybe willing to admit. I mean, he was 20 of 31. Um, you know, one of the things that I wanted to do, obviously thinking about, this game from a benchmark perspective, 
uh, you know, we played these these guys in our first game of, of Heupel's UCF career uh, in 2018, right after the 2017 season. Uh, we had Mackenzie Milton, who is one of the best quarterbacks in UCF history. Nobody would 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 ever argue that he had three interceptions in that game against South Carolina State. So I mean, you know, f- football happens, and and you're not going to be perfect on every single play. But to to rack up over 400 yards and five touchdowns in, in a game. Uh, to me is, is really impressive considering he hasn't played quarterback since he was a freshman. Moving on, I mean, I think there was uh, some other things that we can we can talk about the offense. Um, obviously, our running game is is, is going to be our calling card. We, we definitely ran the ball most of the night. We just talked about Plum Lee, but Isaiah Bowser had another great night. He, uh, with 22 carries, 76 yards, uh, two touchdowns, but he also added three receptions for 26 yards. And then you, you throw in Johnny Richardson as well. Another great game from him. Five carries for 59 yards, and then two receptions, 19 yards, and a touchdown. So those two guys look like they're they're ready to go for the season. Um, what were your thoughts on on our on our running offense? I th- yeah, I thought they did really good. Um, I would have liked to see more of the other the running back depth that we have. These were the only two guys that pretty much got any playing time at the end of the game. Jordan McDonald got two carries. So, uh, but again. I guess Gus just wants to get the players, the starting lineup in sync with the offense, so he's letting them ride it out. So they did a good job overall. There's definitely room for improvement, but that that goes with them and our O-line. And like I said, it's just the first game, getting the kinks out. But overall, three touchdowns for our two starting running backs is really good. Absolutely. Uh, I I do want to talk a little bit about what you just mentioned, uh, you know, that we seem to not have that many, uh, considering how deep we are. Uh, at running back, uh, I think in a game that we're winning 56 to 10, I think a lot of us would have thought there'd be a few more running backs that would play. Uh, you know, we have Mark Anthony Richards, uh, RJ Harvey, who who would have been the starter last year. If Anthony Williams from like Brantley. Anthony Williams. Um, you know, maybe we would have seen a couple more of those guys. I think given, you know, Isaiah Bowser, you know, it's been a stated goal all offseason to keep him fresh. Uh, Malzahn said himself in the spring, you know, to treat him like an NFL player. Uh, well, in this game, I was shocked to see him after halftime. Um, and 22 carries, three receptions, 25 total touches, uh, to me, was a lot. What did you think about his size? I've heard some people comment that they thought he looked a little bit more slimmer than the big old bruiser that he was last year. Do you think uh, part of that treated him like NFL pro, they put him on a more nutrition diet? Or did he, or did he look the same to you? Um, you know, to be honest with you, I wouldn't say I noticed a huge difference, but, you know, that could be. I mean, at the end of the day, another year in the weight room, another year prepping himself for the NFL, uh, you know, I think it makes sense. Uh, you know, when players go from college to the NFL, you know, they're getting into a new weightlifting regimen and, and really spending a lot of time on it. I'm sure he that's on his mind as a guy who's trying to go to the NFL. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure that's part of it. Um, you know, but I did think it was interesting giving him specifically as many carries as he had. Um, but then, you know, moving on to the wide receivers, uh, again, you know, the wide receivers, I think, really showed out in a game that we ran a majority of the time. Uh, it's clear we've got some talent on the outside. Uh, who stood out to you? I mean, Javon Baker, man. I don't know how this guy, I mean, I guess I do know because Alabama was deep. How he didn't get any playing time over there. But hey, yeah, he's our treasure now, and I'm glad to have him on our roster. And he seems to be JRP's uh, comfort blanket. He seemed to like always go to Javon Baker as his first read. So, uh, yeah, Javon Baker stood out to me. One touchdown, 84 yards. I think he missed the catch. Probably could have added more to that. Probably could have had a, another reception, maybe brought it up to 100 yards. But, yeah, Javon Baker looks like the real deal. I love Javon Baker. I think he, he played a great game. Um, you know, I think it's clear he's got – 
you know, the ability to separate, get open. Um, and, and clearly he's got a rapport with Plumlee already. Uh, you know, the fact that he led the team in, in uh, receiving yards, uh, I think it's going to be exciting. And to me, one of the biggest things that, you know, coming into the season, we were wondering, you know, who's going to be the number two? We asked it last week going into the season. Who's going to be the guy that can really stand up and, and take some pressure off of O'Keefe? Because at some point you, you need a, a different receiver than one to, to do it. Otherwise, you know, they're going to get double covered, triple covered. Um Baker really showed out and he's going to show up on film and our, our next couple of opponents are going to have to really care about what he's doing. Um, but that got to respect them. Absolutely. And, uh, but that doesn't take away from Ryan O'Keefe who he himself had a great game. Um, it's clear he's going to be used in a, a variety of ways. Three catches, 48 yards, two carries, 33 yards. Um, how, what do you think O'Keefe? O'Keefe looked amazing. I mean, he, they could easily threw him all the balls and he would have caught them all. He looked like a stud. That one play that JRP threw it down between the two players. I mean, honestly, I wasn't expecting Ryan O'Keefe to catch that ball. I, I wouldn't say necessarily it was going to get intercepted. I just it was just so like such a tight window, and Ryan O'Keefe, he's got great hands. He caught the ball like it was nothing. And and honestly, my favorite play from Ryan O'Keefe wasn't necessarily. It, I mean, he obviously was on the offense, but it was a defensive play. It was running. All the way from, I don't know exactly what, if it was a 20 or 30 yard line, all the way down to the other side of the field to tackle the defensive lineman and honestly save the team four points because that would have been a guaranteed touchdown if it wasn't for Ryan O'Keefe. So it just shows like the character, the team spirit, and shows he's the real flash. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, he's the real flash. Mm-hmm. And Gus said it himself in his press conference. I mean, that that was the play of the game. I mean, you know, in a game like this where a lot's going right, uh, you know, sometimes it, players might decide that, that it might not be worth it. And to see a guy as uh, who's been around as long as he has, who has the status he has on this team, uh, to lay it all out there in the first game, uh, just like that, and, and it worked out great. The defense stood, held it, held them to a field goal. That was that was a four point play, really. It saved, it took four points off the board. Hundred um, percent doing that. Um, that was a play of the game, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And it, and it's it sets the tone for the season. You know, if he's willing to do that, everybody else uh, is going to follow suit and lay it all on the line. It's pretty pretty exciting to to watch him for sure. Um, now, you know, talking a little bit more about uh, the offense, um, you know. Just talking about overall packages, I think, you know, we, we were wondering coming into the season who was going to play what. Uh, we talked a little bit about the running backs, seeing uh, Bowser and, and Richardson. Um, we talked a little bit about the wide receivers. Um, but, you know, one of the players that I thought was a little bit missing from the game was Kobe Hudson. Um, did you see him out there? And, uh, you know, I, I noticed he didn't get any receptions. I, I thought that was a little little weird. I think it's really weird, and the reason it's weird, it's look who we're playing. We're playing South Carolina State. I mean, if any game you would have thought had an opportunity to get as many players involved and one of your three starters would have been Kobe Hudson, would have got a reception. He had zero reception, so um, it's kind of uh, don't know what's going on there. I'm not sure if he wasn't running his routes correctly or maybe he was third on the read and JRP didn't, you know, wait for those reads. But there's a lot of options, too. And that, that that might be the case. There's going to be maybe a player every game that might not get the receptions that he wants. And part of that is that's pretty exciting overall. I mean, that might not be good for Kobe Hudson in this game, but it's exciting for us because uh, think about this the deep, from the other team's defense perspective. Now they got to worry about Ryan O'Keefe, Javon Baker, and hopefully Kobe Hudson gets you know going in this next game. 
They also got to worry about Keymore Gamble, our awesome tight end. And then our running back, Def, obviously, that we've talked about. So, and more importantly, they got to worry about JRP. So, I mean, we have so many weapons. I mean, this team is going to be very electric this year. I just can't wait. You know, this is the revenge season. I, I can't wait to get revenge on all these teams. Starting next week with Louisville. Let's go, UCF. Let's get that revenge. Game one down. Let's go. Let's go. You're absolutely right. And, you know, a couple of those uh, broken plays that Plumlee ended up turning into some some runs, you know, they, they might have been targets for Kobe Hudson that didn't work out. But, you know, your point about the tight ends is absolutely valid. Another thing, you know, going back into the into the previous box score from that 2018 game, we didn't have any receptions by tight ends in that game. You compare it to this game, our second leading receiver is Keymore Gamble, really highlighted off of that, you know, 30-yard touchdown in the, in the back of the end zone. Uh, that was an impressive play all the way around. Good throw, uh, an even better catch. Yeah, you could tell he's an athlete, you know. And also, he's he's overall doing good as a pass blocker too, as a tight end on um, the pass blocking, running uh, running blocking, and he he looked great. He he looks like he looks so special out there. I definitely see him going to the NFL next level. So we're excited to have him. He he just looks electric. And it you know. It's the best-case scenario that we were hoping, right? And we hope to see it against a better opponent in Louisville this week because, obviously, there's the caveat. We played SC State, and, um, you know, it is what it is. But coming into Louisville, hopefully we see a lot of the same things we're seeing now. But it's clear now that teams are going to have to focus on the middle of the field, the outside, the running game. There's a lot of weapons everywhere, and it really comes down to having having somebody that can – spread it around and in this game it was it was spread around all, all over the field uh by jrp and you know a couple of things he did in the game that i thought were really impressive uh he did this twice he adjusted his cadence on the snap uh you know so he drew the defense off sides both on a fourth and ten uh to get it to fourth and five and then another third and ten later in the game um you know was able to use his legs to pick up those first downs and keep the drives going and so when you mix in his ability to be efficient in the running game to pick up those first downs in those situations, but then spread it around to the receiver, the receiving talent, the tight end talent, and the running back talent that we have. Um, you know, I, I, I'm still, I'm, I'm very optimistic about how this offense uh, can really show out. Um, to me, the biggest question coming out of the game was the offensive line. Um, you know, did, did you notice anything about the offensive line in this game? Yeah, I noticed, uh, and I'm not trying to pick on him or anything, but uh, Tylen Grabble. Uh, first of all, this guy was an FCS All-American, so I know he has talent, and he's only a um, um, is he? He's a, so he's a senior. I thought I thought he was yes. younger than that for some reason. I thought he had more eligibility, but maybe I'm wrong there. But I thought he had more eligibility, but I guess now he's a uh, he's a redshirt senior. So I don't know if that he has one or two years left. Maybe with the COVID year, he has an extra year. I thought he had two years left, but sorry, I digress. What I wanted to say about him was he looked a little bit shaky out there. He looked good to start off the game, but then it seemed when the defense was uh, mixing it around and going into the gaps that he was getting flustered and they were taking advantage of that. You know, it could be just because it's the first game and he's just, you know, giving the benefit of the doubt, just trying to, you know, take the kinks out from his game and just get used to this team. Um, but he, he's a big guy, 6'7", 290 pounds. So I'm hoping that, uh, you know, he sees his own film and makes an improvement right away. I mean, it's got to happen real soon. You know, we got our game this Friday. Uh, it was nice to see Paul Rublet, our German uh, offensive lineman, six foot ten, three hundred and thirty pounds, red shirt sophomore. 
I'm happy to see him play because we haven't really got to see him play really in the past. So it was nice to see him get some playing time. So that means that he has a future with the team. And they're definitely going to give him more playing time. So that was nice as a backup to see him as a left tackle because it seems like he's going to be our future left tackle. So glad to see him get that playing time. Uh, Samuel Jackson at left guard. You know, Samuel Jackson's a stud. He used to play tackle in the past, but it looks like uh, maybe just for the NFL, the future, they're playing him at guard because that's probably where he would play on the next level at 6'6", 325 pounds. So, uh, I mean, overall, he did good. But, again, there's a new position for him since he used to play tackle. So, you know, there was a, lot, a little bit of shakiness with the offensive line. Matthew Lee, a stud, you know, he's doing his thing. He's a the American Conference All-American, so he's been doing great since he's been a freshman for us. And then, again, um, sorry if I'm pronouncing his last name wrong, Paula, our uh, Hawaiian right guard, 6'4", 305 pounds. He's a stud as well. I'd say him and Matthew Lee overall were fine, but I'd say our newcomers, Ryan Swoboda, uh, Tylen Gravel, and then Samuel Jackson playing in the new position. We're a little bit shaky, but hey, it's our first game. You know, hopefully they're going to kinks out, and hopefully they uh, take it to the next level next week. Absolutely, yeah. I think I think you're spot on. You know, I think you know the, the middle of our line being experienced with each other as well as experienced at, at UCF here. Uh, you know, that's probably our strength and our tackles are the ones that are going to have to mesh better with our offensive line. And, and to me, just looking back at some of the plays that maybe there were some issues, I think it, it's clear that the communication is probably one of the main issues. Right. Um, you know, what the, the plays that they were having the hardest time, it seemed like were when the uh, the defensive linemen were rotating the gaps they were rushing through. You know, think of it as, you know, instead of rushing in a straight line, crossing each other's paths, you know, really to confuse the other offensive linemen. Um, you know, and as that's happening, it's, you know, I'm going to take this guy now and pass off the, the different defensive linemen to another offensive lineman. And that maybe lack of cohesion, lack of uh, continuity between the line can cause some of these players that are rushing to get a little lost. So my hope is just having this on film um, and, and a week to prepare for it. We'll see some improvement from them this week. Um, but again, you know, them having some of the struggles they had. Um, we saw what Plumlee could do getting out of the pocket. He, he wasn't a sitting duck back there, and I think that also plays into some of his strengths as well. Yeah, and I agree, and that's probably another reason JRP got picked over Mikey Keene because if the same offensive line, if they don't get this together, I hate to say it, but Mikey Keene would probably be getting sacked. Or, you know, so with JRP, he can work around this offensive line, so at least it gives them time to work on their game while JRP, being a talent athlete that he is, getting that first down for us, whatever it takes. I will say this, JRP, you got to slide, baby. I know you played baseball. You got to slide, brother. You can't keep going, uh, you know, shoulders in. I mean, it, I love that you ran a guy over and all, but we need to, we need to stay healthy, brother. <laughs> Especially as we get into some of these weeks here where we're playing Power 5 opponents, some of these uh, more tougher opponents, it, you know, it's going to be even more important that he, he's not putting himself in harm's way. Absolutely. Um well, any, any thoughts, any more thoughts about the offense before we switch over to the defense? Um, I will say that it was nice to see uh, Zach Marsh Wolgen. He's a player that came from California, and he hasn't got playing time at the tight end for a, for a while. Actually, I would say I've probably never really seen him play a significant play. It was nice to see him catch a first touchdown for UCF. That was pretty exciting. I want to give him a shout-out. Good job, Zach, on that. And again, to go back, we're using our tight ends now, you know. <laughs> so, uh, you know, kudos to Hype using every single weapon he can. 
Yeah, two touchdowns by Wait, tight ends. I say ends. hype? Hype, yeah. I Malzahn. apologize. I meant I said the opposite of hype, actually. Shout out to Gus, the Gus Bust, for using every weapon he has. Hype, the opposite. He didn't use his tight ends, so... Yeah, two touchdowns by tight ends, just more weapons. It's uh, it's it's pretty good. I'll, I'll tell you, if, I, if this offense looks like this against Louisville, um, I think this is, you know, again, a, a potential for a great season. And, you know, part of that reason for me is that the defense seemed to pick up right where they left off from last year. Um, I would say that if, you know, obviously there were tons of injuries on the offensive side of the ball last year, but I would say that if you had to pick one of the units that was better than the other, I would say the defense was probably better than the offense last year. Well, before before we get into the defense, I, I got to ask you a question, man. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're a hardcore fan. You went to UCF. You stayed on campus. You, uh, you know, you went to your first game. And I, I'd like to hear what you thought because I don't know if it's our fans are spoiled or whatnot. But what is the angst over how our offense played? I mean, is it overblown? What are your thoughts? I think it definitely is. I think, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, we were talking before we started recording here. And, you know, I remember my first game as a freshman at UCF. It was against this against this team, South Carolina State. It was uh, two, fall 2008. Uh, George O'Leary, um, you know, Rob Calabrese was our quarterback. And uh, I remember that game being a punt fest. You know, we, we won 17 to nothing, but nothing about it felt super exciting or good. Um you know, he, he, you know, we had a tough time getting first downs. We had a tough time generating a lot of offense, um, you know, and I remember thinking, okay, is this, how's this season really going to go? And it ended up as a four and eight season and, and overall a relatively boring season. Um, and I compare it to how we are now as a fan base, looking at a team that just put 56 points on the same team. 400 yards from their quarterback, uh, you know, really the game never in doubt, constant explosive plays, uh, you know, and I wonder, are we starting to get a little a little spoiled here uh, to where we're going to actually be upset about winning a game by 46 points? I mean, we beat the spread. I mean, to me, that, that that's all you need to know. If we're beating the spread, then then we, we even exceeded Vegas's uh, expectations of us. So, you know, I think for us, we've got to enjoy the ride a little better. Uh, with with the team that we have, I mean, think about this: we could be USF. Okay, they were down twenty eight nothing in the first quarter oh against BYU God, this USF. week. USF. Okay, oh twenty eight to nothing in the first quarter. Right, not that we want to pile on to our uh, little brothers, oh. but uh, at the end of the day, okay, we could we could be there. Right, we we had that that zero and twelve season that springboarded us into this amazing time of prosperity. But you never know where things go. Yeah, and you had to bring them up, so now you bring them up. Oh my lord, they were talking so much smack. They were like, they were really confident that they were gonna give BYU a, a game for their money. How is it that you get whooped like it's pretty much sixty to nothing in supposedly your home stadium? I mean BYU, you should have saw the smack that they were talking after the game. They were like. They were saying the same thing we were saying, like, oh, it's a home field advantage for us in Tampa. Their first play from scrimmage was a touchdown run. Their first play from scrimmage, BYU. They scored on their first play. Like 70 yards? Yeah, it never got better from that. It never got better. They just, I mean, and and that's. They might have had a chance if they kept Timmy McClain. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, you know, I, I wonder. Thank I wonder what he's over here. I wonder what he's us. thinking over here after that oh, game. But boy. but you know, and that's what I mean, man. It's like I, I think about how things could be, 
And to watch us be a team that we are, that we're sitting here thinking, okay, anything, anything, um, you know, more than two losses is an extreme disappointment for the season. Let let's enjoy the ride a little bit. Yeah, you know? it could be it could be a dumpster fire if you're a fan of the other team on I four. Absolutely, I think we're I think we're looking very very good. Our players are never going to be perfect. It's just never going to happen. It's college football. You know, crazy things are going to happen. But this is a team that I think we're going to be in every single game, possibly favored to win every single game. You know, I mean, talk about comparisons. Let's look at last year's season. We won nine games. But some of those games was like we were fighting to the end to win those games. And it felt like we really didn't have the offensive mojo, I would say. Whereas this year, this game, it's, I mean, the offense is just it's looking great overall. I'm just super excited. I can't wait for this Louisville game because, uh, like you said, if, if things keep rolling on this game, and I can't wait to talk about this Louisville as a team, but I just, I just can't wait. But let's before we get into the Louisville game, let's jump into the defense. How do you feel the defense played overall? I think they looked uh, they looked better than the offense to me, and that's that's what's crazy. I thought the offense looked great, but to me, I thought the defense. Um, you know, they picked up wherever they left off. Uh, you know, they allow. Here's here's a couple stats. So first of all, SE State did not reach 100 yards in total offense in this game. 100 yards. Okay, we had like. We had three players that had more than that themselves, okay? We allowed them to convert on two of their 18 third downs, okay? They they did. They, they got the fumble from, from JRP, ran it back to uh, inside of the five, and they got stuffed on three straight plays and had to kick a field goal. Um, you know, we had an interception from Devon Wilson. That was an extremely acrobatic play off of a tip ball. Uh, you know, we had two sacks coming from Justin Hodges and Nakai Martinez from that night position. I definitely want to talk about that. But overall, there's really not a lot I can complain about when it comes to the defense. How about you? Not at all. I mean, I've seen a lot of these guys develop from when they were freshmen going now to junior seniors. There's a lot of talent on this team. We have a lot of depth. And a lot of it, you know, as much as I might talk crap about Hype or Randy Shannon, but I will give him a shout-out on this. A lot of these players are players they recruited, one. And then, two, um, they let them play when they were younger. When our team was struggling, they let these guys develop. So now these guys are studs like Corey Thornton, Justin Hodges. Um, I'm thinking about, sorry, drawing blank on the, the Brown. Devontae Brown. These guys are all studs, man. And now they're... They're all juniors, so three years later, um, we got three starting studs that have developed. So I'm happy with that on our DBs, plus all the other guys you mentioned. And I'm very happy with our defensive line. So much talent there. Anthony Montavo, John Celestar, Dallas Corbett's had a great game. Ricky Barber, Keenan Hester, uh, TMB, Tremont Morris Brash. He's a stud. I mean, he's going to the next level. Glad to have him there playing the buck position. Katie McDaniel, the transfer from Kentucky, looks really good as well. The new guys coming out, Walter Yates, Javon, Jason Johnson, uh, of course, Jermaine Jean-Baptiste. Of course, we were expecting big things of him, and he played really good overall. He looked really, he looked like a leader out there. He looked like good character. Uh, he looked like he, he was a quarterback of the defense, as we expected, and he held the part. 
So even Brendan Jennings, the Maryland transfer, also played really well. And, of course, all our DBs played well. But the player I got to shout out is the hometown hero, Nakai Martinez. I mean, you don't understand how good it looks locally to have Nakai come in and just get that sack. That's going to pay dividends for us recruiting here locally. Nakai Martinez is the hometown hero. He is the first one to put the UCF on his back. And for him to come in there as a freshman, first game, man, that's going to help us so much in recruiting. If you don't follow recruiting, you might not realize that, but this was a big, big deal. Locally, over the weekend, all the local kids were all talking about Nakai Martinez a sec. I couldn't agree more. Uh, you know, and I think what, what's really exciting about that uh, with Nakai Martinez is it's showing the trust that the coaching staff already has in him in terms of his versatility and what he can do. Uh, I think this night position uh, in Travis Williams' defense is extremely interesting because really what it says to me is that this player can do a lot of different things and doesn't necessarily need to be pigeonholed into one position. It's a person that uh, is physical enough to play the run game and be sent on blitzes to go get sacks. Our only two sacks of the game did not come from defensive linemen. They came from the starter, Justin Hodges, in the night position and the backup, Nakai Martinez, in the night position. Um, So it's clear they're going to be used in that way. But when we face dynamic tight ends they're going to be covering those tight ends they're the guys that when we're dropping into you know into zone coverage that they can possibly do that as well uh and so i think number one it shows the faith the coaching staff has in nakai martinez to line him up there and give him reps in his first uh college game but it shows another wrinkle in the defense that i think is so interesting and it shows our ability to match up and you know as we look at this defense evolve Last year, we maybe had some trouble stopping the run at the beginning of the year, and we really clamped down on it towards the end. I see us kind of using these pieces in a very similar way to to do that this year uh, in in the exact same way. Um, You know, stopping the run in this game, uh, they ran the ball 14 times, SC State did, 14 times on first down. They only averaged 1.3 yards per carry. Um, They averaged 3.8 yards uh, per carry overall. We smoked them in terms of the ground game. And I think a big reason is just the way that Travis Williams has set this defense up. I think it's really exciting. Obviously, the talk of the town, our talk, what we were worried about was linebackers. So what do you think about the new guys that came in? Uh, Yeah, so there's been, you know, a lot of developments uh, as it comes uh, to the linebacker room. Um, You know, I think the first thing that we'll definitely mention is uh, after last week, we noticed Terrence Lewis, the five-star linebacker uh, that transferred here from Maryland, was no longer uh he was not on the he didn't make the two deep um you know so we were wondering okay maybe he's a little hurt uh but today or yesterday i guess he posted on uh on twitter that he is entering the transfer portal um so it looks like uh you know for whatever reason things didn't work out here at ucf uh so now it's going to be on some of these newer guys and one of the things that i think is the most interesting about this obviously the starters uh jeremiah jean baptiste he had a good game um, as you might expect, and Jason Johnson played. Um, let me go ahead and, and, and pull this up here. So Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste with, with five tackles, second on the team um, in tackles. But the leader in tackles for UCF was the linebacker Walter Yates, uh, which we did not actually even mention in this linebacker uh, competition we talked about last week. So I do think he kind of came out of nowhere. Um, you know, uh, what do you think? Yeah, no, I mean, I was not expecting anything from him before the game started, but while you're watching the game, he was all over the place. He had five solo tackles, two assisted tackles, seven tackles total. I mean, 
he was all over the place. He reminds me of Brandon um, Armstrong that we had last year. So another FCS player coming into play. He played in Savannah State. And, uh, yeah, he's here to play. So Walter Yates, the third, get ready to hear his name. Absolutely. I think, you know, he, he's a player that clearly, um, you know, he's got this, the staff's trust. He was in the game for a very large portion of it and, and clearly made his presence known. So that's something to watch. Uh, you know, our team our team defense, our, our run defense, and, and the way that we, we stayed in our gaps was amazing. Um, you know, we played really well. So, uh, you know, maybe there's something to this, uh, but we'll have to see. But, you know, I, I feel better about our linebacker position than I did before the season, um, you know, given, you know, uh, how they look so far, but we'll see how they look against a, a more quality opponent uh, next week. Um, any any other thoughts on the defense? I mean, again, Devontae Brown, he's a shutdown corner. I mean, the quarterbacks aren't even looking his way, so kudos to him. It might not show it in the stats, but he's a stud. Um, Corey Thornton, Brandon Adams, studs. So just we're looking really good in the cornerback department. And that's not even considering Jarvis Ware that came from Mizzou. He's from locally here from Apopka. You know, can't wait to see him play. He he was injured last year, so glad to see him um, healthy this year. So we're we're fully uh, we're fully deep there. Uh, I will say on the safety, I guess this is more for the future, not like current event question. But when I look at the two depth uh, chart. You know, I look at Devon Wilson. This is last year. Uh, Dylan Lester, also his last year. Uh, Kobe Perry's last year. Quadric Buller is a junior. But there's going to be some openings on that depth chart for in the future. So hopefully we get some of these guys, uh, younger guys, get some playing time at some point this year on the safety side of things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, to me, you know, I, I thought the offense played great. I thought the defense played great. To me, the biggest reason to, uh, you know, potentially question anything that happened in the game is, is our special teams. Um, you know, I think it definitely wasn't our best game from a special teams perspective. Um, and that's even with the uh, punt block for a touchdown. I mean, that was a really exciting play. Um, you know, it's exactly what you want to see. But aside from that, though, it was a pretty disappointing night. Um, you know, obviously, Obarski misses only field goal of 43 yards. I think coming into the season, we were hoping maybe he had improved a little bit over the offseason. Um, then, then, you know, way too many holding penalties on our returns. Um, you know, we had multiple returns, both kickoffs and punts, that you'd see our players uh, get a seam, maybe get 20, 30 yards, and they'd get called back on a penalty. The biggest one, Xavier Townsend, I mean, what a great electric play uh, from him to take that punt all the way back, and it's coming back to another penalty. Yeah, that definitely sucked, but I will say that he is electric as well, like uh, another electric player that we have. What are your thoughts on him? I mean, people are saying he's the junior Ryan O'Keefe. What you, what's your thoughts about him for, I mean, based on that play alone? I mean, that was really the best play of the game. But I mean, to me, it's a huge win from the coaching staff from a recruiting standpoint. I mean, if anybody remembers, he was uh, committed to Iowa State. Yep. And the coaching staff stayed on him, they pursued him, and they ultimately flipped him. Um, and anybody that can come in and, I mean, punt returns, kickoff returns, they're hard. Um, it takes a lot of uh, skill, vision to really – uh, be good at that. And so for him to take his first collegiate uh, return uh, back to the end zone, I think it says a lot about what his potential is going to be. I bet we see him more this during the season. Um, because remember, right? So another thing I want to talk about, uh, Devon, Devon Wilson was clearly our number one punt returner. Um, and, 
he he was the one who handled the majority of our first couple punt returns. As we got deep into the second quarter, third quarter is when we started seeing Xavier Townsend back there. And I wonder if given Devon Wilson's importance to our defense, that if Xavier Townsend can prove that this is a job he can handle, if we don't see him back there more often. Ooh, yeah. Uh, roster management, you know, do we want to blow his uh, red shirt? But, hey, maybe we got to do what we got to do. I- I'll tell you, man, Orbuski, I don't want to get on him. I mean, I know that um, he missed another field goal. But, hey, just like the other guys made mistakes this game, he's no exception. He's another player, college player, first game, back for a season. So, I'm going to, you know, not get too mad about him this game. Hopefully, this is – hopefully he has more makes than misses in the future going forward. Obviously, it's an important position. Um, it can make or break you going forward. So, hopefully, he gets it together. But uh, I will say Twitter Mafia is not as nice as I am. I mean, they're already asking for the coach's head. They want a black man fired. They said if not yesterday, is he going to get fired tomorrow? I mean, so I know. So we'll have to see. But people aren't really happy with black man's decision of keeping Orbosky playing. But I will say one good decision he made, and I'd like you to elaborate more, is the new um, – is it the punt kicker now? Oh, Riker Casey. Yeah, is he going to be the punt kicker? Or, he, he's the uh, – he's he doing the, kickoff. He's handling kickoffs. Handling now. kickoffs. That's what yeah. it is. So, so for me, the, the two big things about Obarski that uh, I think you know I want to touch on. Number one, obviously, I think I think the coaching staff understands the necessity of having a good kicker. Obviously, they rec- recruited Colton Boomer, who was rated as a five star kicker um, in the kicker recruiting rankings. Yep, yep. Um, Cole's kicker, and, and the, a big reason he's not playing right now is because he did get an injury during training camp, and and we don't really know his overall status right now. Um, but we're also we're, we just got a commitment from the number one kicker in the country for this next recruiting class. So it's Glad clear that this coaching staff cares about this. Um, but you know, Malzahn just said in his press conference this week that Riker Casey, uh, a transfer from Appalachian State who had not played until this game, um, he is handling kickoffs. And the big reason for that is you know to rest Obarski's leg so that he's not too fatigued to handle the actual. Uh, you know, extra points, kicking field goals, that kind of thing. And that's all well and good. Um, I I think that makes sense, right? But what I'm going to wonder is as we get deeper into the season, Riker Casey clearly has a leg. Um, You know, in college, touchbacks are not necessarily as common as they might be in the NFL. But eight of the nine kicks uh, from Riker Casey on kickoffs in this game were for touchbacks. And, you know, that completely eliminates the return game. That's exactly what a coach wants from their kicker is to be able to just boot it into the end zone and move on. Um, and so if he has the leg to do that, I wonder what's he look like kicking field goals. And if we're seeing misses, that I think we might have to see if Riker Casey can come in and, and do something because th- that could cost us games. You know, and not only could it cost us games, it's going to change the offensive strategy as a whole because – if think about this, right? It, if you think about what a forty-yard field goal means, that means the twenty-three-yard line, right? That's a forty-yard field goal. So, if you can't trust your kicker to kick a forty-yard field goal or more, that means that starting on the twenty-three-yard line, anything out of that, you need to consider going for it on fourth down. And we saw it in this game. We had a fourth down on the thirty-six-yard line, and he didn't even hesitate. He kept the offense on the field. We drew the players off sides, uh, got to fourth and five, got the first down, ended up scoring a touchdown. 
I wonder if that's what we can expect to see the rest of the season is us going for it more in those ranges. Um, but it's going to be fascinating to watch how he manages these kickers. Yeah, good point. Well, let's get into our next and um, final segment, the Louisville preview. we got the game coming up Friday. Um, you know, first and foremost, Louisville played Syracuse this past week and got their butt whooped, uh, 31-7. to But I will say, like, that still doesn't make me think that Louisville is a weak team. Um, the Syracuse coach, uh, Dino Barber, I want to pronounce his name, if I'm pronouncing it right. Not that it really matters. But anyway, the head coach for Syracuse. I do got respect for him, though. And I know he's been building that program up. He recruits nationally, and he's been building it up. So I'm not surprised. And remember, they were playing at Syracuse. It wasn't at Louisville, so they lost an away game. And we all know how away games are harder than home games. So with that being said, um, I'm still not underestimating Louisville. They still have a very talented quarterback, Malik Cunningham. What are your thoughts about him? I think he's a stud, and and to be honest with you, I think that you absolutely cannot overlook Louisville based on this game against Syracuse. Um, You know, obviously, so they did go to Syracuse for this game, and they were favored. So a 31-7 Syracuse win is definitely surprising, Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how Louisville recovers from that, both having a short week coming from Saturday to Friday. We have a longer week having played Thursday. Um, and their second game's on the road. So it's, it's a tough draw for Louisville right now. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Having said that, though, we watched what this team is capable of. Um, and, you know, Malik Cunningham in this game against Syracuse, he, had, he did not have a great game. Um, he was 16-22 to 22 for 152 yards. He had two interceptions, uh, no touchdowns. Uh, but his calling card is usually his running, uh, his running ability. But he only had 34 yards on 13 carries for a 2.6 yard average. So it, he was definitely stifled in this game, and it shows in the you know seven points that they scored. And you're right. And I would say, according to what we're hearing from the Louisville side of things, they're attributing most of the loss to their offensive line not playing well and their defense not tackling. But mainly that offensive line uh, comment is what. It makes sense. If they're not feeling good about the offensive line, that's probably why he's not carrying the ball and doing as well. See, but that's also, to me, why I agree with your point that we can't overlook them because their offensive line is not new. Of all the things on their team, um, their offensive line is one of the most experienced units that they have. Um, I would expect him to be pretty angry after watching the film and really come out uh, with their best shot against UCF. And they're not scared of us. You know, They beat us at home, so they're not scared of us. Um, you know, so they're they're gonna come and give us our their be, their best shot as well. So I wouldn't underestimate that game. Um, I'm looking forward to us to get that revenge, but I I just I'm not gonna sit here and just underestimate them just because they lost to Syracuse. Mm-hmm. Malik Cunningham is definitely the main guy to to watch uh, from an offensive perspective. Uh, you know, their two leading running backs from last year, Jalen Mitchell and Trevion Cooley, came back. But what was really interesting to me is they only had one carry in this game combined. Uh, their leading rusher was uh, Tyon Evans, was a transfer from Tennessee. And I think a lot of people up in Louisville were expecting him to really have a, a big game. He did okay. His biggest highlight was a 36-yard touchdown. And to me, that, that that's one of the biggest keys in this game is not allowing the combination of Cunningham and Evans to beat you on the ground. But again, this is a conference game. This is an ACC conference game. Syracuse had all offseason to prepare for Louisville. So it's hard to judge games like that when, I mean, I'll, I'll go back to last year, that Boise State-UCF game, you know, was a nail-biter for a while. Those first games are really tough because both teams have the whole offseason to prepare. 
it's when uh, you can kind of, you know, maybe pull something over on a team in the middle of the season because they got lots, a lot going on and hard to cover teams. But that first game is challenging. So maybe Syracuse is just very more prepared for Louisville. But here we go, you know, UCF Louisville, let's see how it goes. And that's, you know, that's a great point, you know, and I'm hoping that, well, it's going to be interesting to see if Louisville adjusts to it because, you know, one of the things looking into this game that I found was, you know, last year in terms of uh, their, their running ability, uh, Louisville ranked 22nd in the country in, in rushing, uh, but they were only 65th in total passing yards. And so when I think about that and I think about Syracuse coming into this game and thinking about this all offseason, what they think about? They thought about, okay, if we stop the run, they're not beating us. And from what I can see, looking at this box score and looking at how this game went, they were right. And so if I were Gus and Travis Williams, that's number one what I would be doing. I'd be loading the box and I'd be saying, I'm not letting Malik Cunningham or Evans cross that line of scrimmage and beat me by throwing the ball downfield. And if Cunningham is going to be a guy that's going to throw 150 for only 150 yards and two interceptions, um, you know, He's going to really have to come out in this game and prove that he can force the defense back off of him to get that running game going again. Um, to me, that that's the biggest key of the game. Are we controlling that line of scrimmage? Who's rushing the ball better? If it's us, I, I think we can win this game. If it's not, it's going to be it's going to be really interesting. Containing Cunningham last year in his uh, in his game against us, he had 265 yards with one touchdown and an interception, but. He had the same 13 carries that he had against Louis or against Syracuse, but against Syracuse he only had 34 yards. Against us he had 99 yards and two touchdowns rushing. To me, that's that's the biggest story of what we have to do from from a defensive perspective uh, to to figure out how to how to stop Louisville. Um, you know, any any more thoughts you have from from uh, our defense and, and what what we should look out for? Um, Not really. I think uh, I mean I think you're spot on. We got to worry about. Malik Bryant, and we got to worry about um, any surprises. And let's see how they recover. Let's see how they recover to play us. But I'm not going to underestimate them. Um, they're they're a decent team overall. And again, it was a conference game versus Syracuse. Syracuse, I felt like game plan for them very very well. Mm-hmm. But let's like you said, let's see how they adjust. It was only week one. This is about to be week two. Mm-hmm. And then from an offensive perspective, uh, you know, I think it goes without saying that, you know, our offense wants to run the ball. If we're going to be successful, we've got to be able to do that. Uh, if it, it if we can't, I think it's going to throw off the tempo. But again, we don't want Cunningham on the field either. So I think if we can control the line of scrimmage and if we can get our running game going very similarly to how we just did against SC State, um, you know, I think that'll really help. But another thing that I noticed uh, in particular about this offense is our, our ability to run the screen game. You know, we're running bubble bubble screens. We're running, uh, you know, O'Keefe's getting screens. Our running backs are getting screens. We're, you know, uh, running wheel routes with the tight ends, those kinds of things. And so those short, quick, uh, get get our speedsters out in space is a big part of our offense. As an extension of our run game, getting that ball out to the perimeter and, and letting guys kind of, kind of follow their blockers and, and get some extra yards. Uh, you know, I think we can control the clock, keep the ball for long stretches and finish it off. Um, you know, the other thing that I, I think, you know, they didn't really show in their game against Syracuse, um, you know, last year, uh, Louisville also ranked 110th in the country from a red zone defense perspective, means that once teams got inside the 20 yard line, uh, more often than not, they were scoring against Louisville. Um, if that's what it looks like for us as well, um, 
I think Louisville is going to have a tough time keeping up. I do have one thing to say that I want to keep my eye on is our offensive line. Because one thing that Syracuse did was run the heck. We talked about what Louisville did on the offense, but we didn't talk about what Syracuse did. Syracuse ran the heck on Louisville's defensive line. So let's see how our offensive line and our running backs do. Not including JRP. I mean, obviously he's part of it, but I really want to see how we do with our running backs. Because it wasn't Syracuse's quarterback that ran, you know, uh, as much it was mainly their running backs. But their their quarterback did do well throwing the and running. But overall, Syracuse had a really good running attack on Louisville. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it. I mean, you know, the main – one of the big issues that Louisville specifically talked about in their press conferences was, uh, you know, there was a, a huge touchdown, a long touchdown in the game that came from a running back screen um, where a running back – was behind the line of scrimmage, took a pass from the the quarterback, and was able to just slice his way through the defense. Uh, you know, it looked like players were kind of bouncing off of him. Yeah, fifty five um, yards. Yeah, and that that touchdown is something that Louisville that stuck with the Louisville players. They were talking about it, and um, that's what I mean. If they if UCF can take advantage of that, I mean, O'Keefe getting a screen on the side, uh, you know, on the sideline, sixty yards from the end zone. If Louisville's having tackling problems. He's taking it to the house. I mean, that's gonna happen. Javon Baker, same That's what I like way. to see. That's what I want to hear. That's what I like to see on Friday. Yep, absolutely. So, uh, you know, I personally, I, I feel good about it. Um, but, uh, you know, do you have a prediction for the game? Ooh, you can put me on the spot. Ooh. Hmm. I'm going to say uh, 40 to 21. 40 to 21. Okay. I'll go, let's see. I was going to say 35-21. I was going to say 35-21. Okay. I think I think that's what I think that's what will be. Two touchdown victory. None of the kickers can make a field goal. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh but uh but yeah, I'm excited. This is going to be a great game Friday night at the Bounce House. We need it to be loud. Uh, we need to, you know, make Louisville. Uh, we need to get revenge on that game from last year. We need to make them afraid to to come back. Right. That's right. Revenge season, game one. Let's go. And that'll do it for uh, for this episode of the Nightcap Podcast. We will be back uh, right after this next game to recap and, and talk about our next opponent. Uh, let me go ahead and pass it over to Scott for our toast of the Nightcap. Thank you, Sean. This week's toast of the Nightcap has got to go to our very own Knights football team. Look, we all know the real challenges are ahead, but a win's a win, and it's the only way to start the season. Night Nation, raise a glass and toast the black and gold. Cheers. Follow us on social media at UCF Nightcap, and we'll see you at 2-0.